Blog Talk Radio. With Sherry. Today we're going to welcome back Lee Murray and Dan Roberts. We're going to talk about all the different books that they have coming out, uh, the awards they're nominated for, the awards they won, a bunch of other stuff too. It's going to be a fun chat. Here's Lee and Dan. Hi Dan and Lee, welcome to the show. Hey Sherry. Hey Sherry, how are you? I'm fine, how are you guys? Very good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Lovely, we're good. Lovely day here. So you are in your summer. Yeah, well, it's absolutely fabulous sunny day today. We've been out sitting on um, my patio in the sun for the last couple of hours yeah. this morning drinking coffee, and it's nice to be in the same town for a change. We just had a book launch last night, so um, we're in the same place, which is really nice to actually have a conversation together. So, what have you been doing that's new? Anything exciting? Oh, we've had a pretty momentous year, so, um, but we're really excited to have just released the last book in our Path of Ra series, which we've talked about in the past, so that's the um, Supernatural Crime Noir series that Dan and I have been writing, ooh, five years now, so we've got the last one out and really excited. We're really proud of this book and um, brought all the threads together and um, we just really enjoyed writing this this brother-sister duo, which is kind of the relationship that we have anyway. Uh, so it's been it's been a really fun ride and um, been really lucky with Raw Dogs Dream Impressive supported us and put the book out despite the pandemic. I mean, I think like the last time I spoke to you, Sherry was in January and we were, the two of us were talking about all the fantastic things we were planning and you were going to go to the big convention and, and look, the whole year's just, it's just been the strangest thing. So we're, we're really pleased to have been able to put this book out and, um, and have our publishers support us despite the pandemic, you know, when so many small presses have had to put projects aside. So. I know. Yeah, I had a, you know, I had an unusually busy year. Shot to heck. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's been everybody's been in that position, and and Dan in his um, in his other job um, works in sort of security and health and safety, and so he's had extra work to do, and you know, so it's been a funny funny kind of year. It has. Um Dan must have been going crazy then. Oh, I've, I've just had um, <clears throat> all the all the work I've had to do in my day job. When we went through the lockdown, everything suddenly just got got twice as busy um, for us because we're looking after um, security systems and, and essential services and health and safety and, and and a whole lot of other stuff and, and doing it all from home. So um, 
while we had lots of people around the country sort of staying home and, and, and twiddling their thumbs, I was I was sort of twice as busy as I've ever been. So um, that certainly put some put some additional ad- additional pressures on. Um, but you know, obviously, New Zealand has um, put put some some pretty um, pretty effective measures in place to to cope with COVID, and so we're we're sort of at the other side of it at the moment, um, heading heading back towards towards something normal. Hopefully, is um, just waiting to see where the rest where the rest of the world gets to at the moment. But yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we had a book launch last night, Sherry, with 50 people, you know, and we all had to sign in because of COVID, and we're not wearing masks here because we don't have any community spread at the moment, so um, we're really very lucky, and I think there's been a real, you know, interest in the arts um, here, and, and the new, you know, since we've come out of lockdown, there's been a real sort of um, renaissance, if you like, and sort of literary and arts activities because people were locked down at home and they were watching TV and, and, and consuming movies and books and games and so now when they've come out of lockdown they're sort of going out to, to see those things with, with friends and family and so there's been a little bit of a renaissance and to have, you know, to be able to have a book launch in, in this year, in this time um, we're so lucky here in New Zealand. It was it was fabulous, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, it was really it was fun. You know. 150, you know, it was 50, about fifty people there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we got to we got to talk about writing. We got to do some readings from from the book and and um, you know engage with the crowd and and uh, talk to people afterwards. And uh, it was it was fun. Yeah, fantastic fun. So, but I mean, one of the things that's interesting about this whole COVID thing, and particularly in the literary world, is that it's kind of, even though we've been, you know, socially socially isolating, we've actually been brought together by Zoom, Skype, you know, um, Teams, you know, all Facebook messaging and, and, and YouTube. And so, I don't know, I just seem to have been on a screen or on a podcast most of this year and it has brought us together there's been opportunities for for you know professional development and, and workshops I mean we did we did Worldcon here in New Zealand didn't we Dan um, and that was all online you know from the from the comfort of your living room or in Dan's case his bedroom <laughs> it's been a, a strange intimacy if you like because you're actually looking in people's you know, back rooms or their kitchen and the kids are running around in the background and I don't know, it's been even more intimate and personal even though we've been separate. It's been a very strange thing. Yeah, one of the things for me that came out of Worldcon was um, just connecting with a, with a new reader who, who then went back to her, her writers group, who were a Seattle writers group and because they can't get together in, um, at the moment, they've been having all their, all their meetings via um, via a Zoom meeting, so I've been invited along to that, and so I've been going to that for the last three or four months. Um, little five-minute reading spot and listening to others and chatting away and meeting new people, and it, it just there's no way that, that a year ago that's something that just would have happened because, of course, they were all meeting in person. Um, so just those sorts of connections are the, 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 the sort of unexpected positives that, mm. have, that have come out of this whole thing, and I think that in a year of of so many negatives, we really have to have to cling to those positives and, and, and take something t- take something good away from them. I agree. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and I mean you've been doing this all along, Sherry, so, it, you know, that 
you've always been connecting with people globally, so perhaps you didn't notice the difference so much. But I think about, for example, you reprising, you know, the your the the favourite play series, you know, Cherry's Playhouse. And that's an you know that's an opportunity to because people are consuming so much so much arts material at home now that you were able to do that and and have so much interest in it. I think that's and also very excited because we always like to see the beast tale <laughs> being performed because we enjoyed it so much. Um, actually, that did very well. Um, all of the reprises have done very well. Um, some even better than... Uh, I mean, some were award-winning, really did very well the first run, but the second time, they're even higher, all of you. Really? Yeah. So that just goes to prove how much people are really interested in consuming the arts right at the moment. Yep. It's really amazing. Really, really interesting. Well, to be honest, the reason I did the reprises was because I got sick. And um, my editors were all kind of like, Dan, um, every single one of my editors had other work because of what was going on with COVID and lockdowns and all that. So I couldn't have uh, Sherry's Playhouse without an editor, so reprises. <laughs> and actually yeah, it worked out really um, well. It's good content. It's great content. So why wouldn't people want to enjoy it a second time, for sure? Or even a new audience, because people were looking for different things, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've gotten some emails that people were really enjoying uh, these. Um, th they said... Hearing it a second time, you pick up stuff you didn't hear the first time, which I thought, mm. oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So have you been writing in this lockdown, in this, um, you know, pandemic period, Sherry? Have you been doing some writing as well? Yes, I have. I'm really excited. Um, I contributed to a book about uh, fandom for Xena, and that was published. It's called Courage Can Their Courage Changed the World. Um, and it's by Mary D. Brooks, she edited it. And actually, I've only contributed to two books, and they were both about Xena. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> well, that's your fandom, isn't it? You do love that. You do, you, and you, you know, you're so engaged with that community, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, but I have, um, I have a new play that I'm writing that I'm almost Ooh. finished. Can um, you tell us? Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, it's um, it's about you know how I've done two plays about my family coming to the United States, mm -hmm. Mishbuka and the Dowry. Well, this is the third play, and it's about in, instead of it only focuses on my grandmother and grandfather. My grandfather has been mentioned, but he's never been he's never been introduced in these things. So I'm kind of excited. I actually found a cachet of letters in my mom's one of my mom's boxes that kind of inspired me to do it. It's not. It's only grandma's side. Uh, I think there were two letters from grandpa. Um, so I kind of used all of their stories that they told my brother and me and added it added to it from those stories. But um, it takes place right after they met, just before World War One, before Grandpa went into the service, into the Army. 
and it's letters. It's sort of like love letters, but ancient, and it's uh, between real people, and it's about um, Jewish community, which is a little different than I think anybody else has done. Um, cool. So uh, they talk. They have this Yiddish in it. Um, oh. <laughs> in fact. Um, I I just figured out the title and it's Yiddish. I explain it within the narration, but um, and really, except for my narration explaining what's going on at the beginning, it's just the two characters, the whole thing, it's from beginning to end. Two characters. Oh, two you're going to have some fighting amongst your actors. Who gets to play those? Already cast. <laughs> A big demand for for roles, aren't there? So. Yeah, it's already cast. Um, so I'm going to have that play um, probably uh, beginning of next year. We'll start rehearsals. And I'm really, because I, I just finished it. So um, I'm just editing it and making it pretty. And I was having a really hard time coming up with a title for it. Um, because I, I had a title stuck in there. You know how when you have word and you have to have something in there to hold the place? I just put letters because I didn't know what to call it. <laughs> That's actually not a bad title. Letters? Yeah, but it's too, it's too close to love letters. You know, and that's what that's about. Love letters is letters to people sitting on stage. Read, and it's very close to that, except this is... Um, actually married uh, a future married couple they'll be married for a long time later on and the couple in, in love letters they never met and never married um, but I, it was just too close to that so I didn't want to I didn't want to touch on that because uh, the, the content is so close you know what I mean mm. well titles are really hard to they're really hard to pin down. I don't, I don't know about you, but we usually write something and then come up with the titles based on how the how the work, you know, pans out. So, um, well, it depends. But, um, it depends because okay. sometimes the story itself will inspire. While you're writing, the story itself will inspire a title. Right. Don't you say? I have written work off the off the concept of the title. And I've had the title first, and then written a story to fit around it. I've yeah. done that in the past. Um, I had a story called Black Cloud Sunshine, which um, was out in the uh, anthology uh, Black Dogs Black Tales this year. And the yeah. first first thing I got was the title, and then I I, I wrote something, and then worked with that title. So yeah. Oh, I love that story. Mm. I think it it really depends on where your concept is going. Oh, and I think, though, for that particular anthology, which is just an incredible cause, because it, it's in support of... Um, um, mental health. Mental health, yes. Um, and, and this year has been a very trying year. So it, it was... Um, and, and on the theme of, of dogs, mm, too, which dogs, was black, black dogs. dogs black so, um, so that was a, a lovely, a lovely project. And um, um, so, yeah, nice to see that. Nice to see that um, come out. And Dan's got, uh, you're talking about bringing out this play at the beginning of next year. Dan's got a book coming out 
at the beginning of next year too. So why don't you tell Sherry what that's about then? Okay, uh, the third the third book in the Children of Bane fantasy series um, called Sisters of Spindrift. So the first book was Brothers of the Night. The second book was Sons of the Curse. They um, they were both released uh, in 19, um, 2019. So the third book comes out early last um, early next year in January, around about the 25th or the 29th. Or, Character is a, a, a reluctant hero who's a who's a, a, a cook um, accused of political assassination and so is on the run trying to trying to prove his, his innocence and he gets himself out of lots of uh, tight situations with often food-based solutions and lots of um, food puns. So there's a good, good combination there of, of, of action and, uh, and and comedy as well. So that's a really fun series to write, and I'm in the process of writing the fourth book um, with a, a, a five book. Five book series, so book three, Sisters of Spindrift, will be out in, in January, and then uh, next next year I should finish writing book four, and away we go. No, but tell them about what the story's about, oh, because the it's story. one of my, it's my okay. favourite in the series so far. Oh, so Sisters, um, in particular, so our, our, our main character who has, who has several brothers finds out that he also unexpectedly has several sisters with these these sisters are um, <clears throat> largely, largely um, air pirates and uh, mercenaries. Mercenaries <laughs> and um, and part of a part, part of a, a, a pirate trading consortium. And he uh, he's variously trying to to use use his sisters to help um, achieve his his goal, which is which is uh, returning his his lost. His lost love, I suppose you could call it that, but if you've read the books, you'll understand how complicated that is. Um, back, back to life, and uh, and in the process, manages to to sort of start a bit of a, a bit of a war between them. Ooh. So yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's such a fun story. It's yeah. so fun. It's the, and it's a great series and a really easy read, and um, the world building is just that's the funnest part, isn't it? The world building, mm. don't you think? It's yeah. Just so cool. Really, I, love I really world. enjoy. I really enjoy reading them. I love world building. I think that's the coolest part of being a writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, apart from being able to work in your pajamas, there is something yeah, about that. That's true. <laughs> or sitting on your bed and just like working on your bed. <laughs> Most people yeah, can't do that. Reading and pretending it's working and research, right? Yeah. Because very much. Yeah, well, I've been. I spent half of this year reading. I'm sure. So. Yeah, I read a lot more than I wrote sometimes. Yeah, it, it was just so hard. Well, I think we've needed the escapism, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I read a lot of Agatha Christie. Yes, you're a big. You're a big Agatha Christie. Well, you know, we like mystery too, don't we, Dan? Yeah. Our, our Path of Ra series is a bit of a. Uh, you know, mystery series with um, supernatural thriller elements thrown in. And, um, See, so we like a bit of that as well. Yes. Agatha yeah. had a, a supernatural in some of her stories. Yes. Uh, yeah. the, the Harley Quinn series is that's it's mm-hmm. all about supernatural. I mean, he's the yeah. Harley Quinn. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, 
that's one of the things that I find interesting is most people don't realize how very they, all they think of her is cozy mystery, but she wrote spy novels, she wrote uh, uh, searing dramas, she wrote all different kinds of romance, a lot of romance. Um, it wasn't just the mysteries, but that's what they all they all people only think of her as the queen of crime. But also it was very popular genre material, genre material and I think what's interesting now, sorry about my dog, but what's interesting now is that um, she's considered, you know, a literary sort of icon, whereas I think, you know, anything that we're writing currently that is genre tends to be considered more populist and not literary, and yet Agatha Christie has sort of come to the top of the heap and is really considered quite the, you know, she's a very skilled um writer in terms of, you know, how she structures her work and, uh, and and very engaging. I think that's very true. I think that a lot of the time when you write something like murder mysteries, science fiction, fantasy, anything like that that they considered lesser, but if you become famous for it, suddenly you, go, you rise up and you're, you're, you're in a different position. I find it weird. Yeah, how do we do that, Sherry? I don't yeah. know. I haven't yeah, figured it out. Formula, if you could just let Dan and I know, we'd be keen. We'd be keen to follow it. I mean, Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, they're both raised to the level of Agatha Christie too. And I mean, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's just weird because and and there's so many science fiction writers, but even the great science fiction writers. Some of them don't rise, and others do. I, it's I don't understand. <laughs> if you want answers, still that whole stigma of being a genre writer. Don't you, you agree with that too, Dan? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that we're not considered real writers. Literature. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I they get that. That's why we don't put us in a different section. It. I like bookstores. Well, when we had bookstores, I like bookstores that put. Uh, people into fiction and, you know, not stick them in, this is fantasy, this is mystery, this is science fiction, they're separate, da da da, like, we're orphans. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think that is part of the problem is that, you know, booksellers need to be able to point people and help people choose from the massive you know, option, you know, decisions that they've got to make about what book to buy. And so to make it easier, they, they put the, the, the books in different categories. And then, you know, there's a category. So people, like for example, Dan and I write a lot of horror. And you know, when you say, oh, I write horror, people go, oh, I don't read horror. Because the idea of horror is a very narrow perspective. You know, they'll think of blood and spatter and, um, you know, and axe murderers and and not all horror is like that. I mean, a lot of horror is quieter. It's it's more like humor, you know. Some humor, the humor is a sort of spectrum, and romance is a kind of spectrum. Is it sweet or is it steamy? And and horror is a bit the same. And I think that that by categorizing, you know, this is horror, this is science fiction, then there are some books you might never see because you, in your head, you think, oh, I don't read that. When in fact you do because. When I say, oh, I, you know, I write horror and people say, oh, I don't read horror, and then you ask them, well, have you read Margaret Atwood? 
and they go, oh yes, and you say, have you read Edgar Allan Poe? And they say, oh yes, and you say, Agatha Christie. And they go, yes, you know. And so they do read horror. It's just that they don't know, they don't call it horror. They call it fiction. <laughs> right, Agatha Christie, too, fits that. Yeah. Yeah, because she wrote, and then there were none. Exactly, exactly. Now, that, that, that is exactly right. That's dark fiction, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. But that's why I liked your, your play, The Thief's Tale. Oh, because it had that layering. Well, there's a little bit of comedy in there as well, and and uh, just a yeah, and a bit of um, sort of local colloquial type of flavour to it. Um, and then Dan put that great spin on it, which made it even better. Which is nice. It's nice to have that sort of two creative minds working and having something different there. So, and of course he adapted it a little bit like Shakespeare. Adapted it for your your um, acting talent mm -hmm. and that makes a difference, so you know. We, 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 had to, we had to tweak the story to fit the medium. So when, when you don't have words, you know, words or a narrator to play with and you have to work with uh, with all voice dialogue, then, then the story naturally is going to adapt to fit that. So yeah, there was that was there was an interesting interesting conversion, getting that into in, into yeah. the audio into the audio world. And because I do a lot of internal thought in my stories, and you do too, Dan, yeah. and so it is quite a different it's quite a different medium. Although Dan's very familiar with it, he did his um, he did his uh, early training in drama, and so that's something he's very familiar with. So. You know, when it came to do the thief tale, and um, it, he was an obvious choice. He knows my writing well. He knows, you know, we know each other's thinking a little bit. But you know, we know our process because we've worked together so often. Um, it was really easy to be able to say, "You do it, Dan, and, and I'll have a look." And and yeah. and was just, I was confident he was going to do a good job with it, and I think he has. And the actors brought something different again. Because we'd already we'd already taken that story and um, and and written it as a screenplay as well. So there'd been, a, there'd been another little project going on in the background um, where we'd taken that story and, and, uh, and developed it for screen as a, as a, a sampler, if you like. Um, so we'd already made that progression. So it was just a bit of a, oh, let's take another spin and, and, and look at putting this together in, a, in, in another way. So we were, we were already sort of halfway there towards the audio as it was. So that was good. Well, you got six new fans too. Oh, All the actors nice. started following <laughs> you and wanting to know and wanting to get the uh, the book of it and all that. So I know that because I they where do I find it? I go look under their websites. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, I think I think if you join my website, then they'll automatically get a free copy of it because I think I've put it in the free book that people get when they sign up to my website. Oh, cool. So. But I'm, I'm, I, I, I like gentle kind of horror like that. I don't like, you're like, you're right. I don't like the modern cut up and scream and, and uh, just nasty kind of stuff. That one I, you could deal with because it wasn't, I don't want to give anything away. Um, it wasn't. Nasty. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> your story. What do you think, guys? <laughs> I mean, do you understand what I'm trying to say? 
Uh, yeah, so this, this, this comes back to what we were just saying before about horror being um, an overlay or horror being a spectrum. Horror is something that we can, we can apply to a story. So if, it, if, it, if the story already had that, 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 that mystery element, if you like, it was, it's all about the artifact, it's about what is, what is this, uh, this thing inside the egg. Um, and and the, the, the horror is, is something that we that we bring to the table. Um, it's something that turns that story from being um, just just a mystery, just just that exploration of, of what is this object into and into something a bit more a bit more um, a bit more graphic and, and a little bit more disturbing. I think I think that's it. That's How that's a good thing. It was disturbing. It wasn't scary. It was disturbing. Mm. And how much how much you want to um, how much you want to disturb your reader is, is all about that scale of how much horror do you apply and, and, and how do you do so how much of it is in the mind um, how much of it is, is splattered on the walls um, so well I think but you have to remember that different things scare different people mm-hmm. and every reader brings their own experience to a story you know so if you're a parent you know anything that involves you know, children and lost children or hurt children or, you know, that that's always terrifying, you know. If you're not a parent, then perhaps, you know, it might be something else that frightens you. It might be closets or tunnels or, you know, it really does. We're also, we're also unique in what, you know, what those fears are. I mean, well, of course, there are those universal fears. I mean, look at this pandemic, you know. Um, but, you know, I, you have to remember that readers bring their own experience to a story. That's true. That's very true. Um, so, Lee, Dan, are you going to contribute a new play next year? I got ya. <laughs> <laughs> we could think about it, but Dan's working on some um, some screen stuff, and and you know we 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 could talk about it. We haven't ruled anything out. You know, never say never. Um, we'll have to think about it. We definitely have more material now that we could adapt and we've been there and done that before so we'll have a think about it Sherry okay it's for the sure. next year so you have time alright right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's just got two books to, to contract that he needs to write and uh, several stories that he's got contracted as well as a treatment a film treatment and I've got ten short story commissions on at the moment and um, and also a poetry collection coming. So there's quite a lot on our plate, so we'll just have to see how next year pans out. Interesting you mentioned the um, poetry, because um, I've been approached to, um, to, to provide a poem as well for a, for a book for next year, and I wrote a lot of poetry when I was much younger, and so I thought, yeah, this will be easy, and I've, I've sat down to, 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 to start putting the poem together again, and it's surprising how I haven't used those particular writing muscles for such a long time. It's much, much harder than I was actually expecting it to be, um, to fall to pull back into that mode of, of, of writing a poem. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting as a writer, if you, if you move away from a particular form, um, how hard it can be to, to, to sometimes step back to it if you haven't used it for a while. Have you found that, Lee? Because you've just been, you've been, you've been writing more poetry for the last yeah, it's weird because you started as a poet and a short story writer and you've moved more into novel and, and so now your focus has been a little bit more on the novel. Mm. And for me, I started with novels and 
you know, I did some short stories and now I'm doing some poems. So, um, yeah, no, I've had a few poems picked up and um, I've had some interest in a poetry collection of mine. So, um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that just to be... Well, I think you always like to be challenging yourself and, and extending your skills and, you know, um, that creative practice, isn't it? It's just, uh, always refreshing and revising and, and every time you come back to even a short story, if you've been working in poetry, then it, 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 it informs the new work, doesn't it, in some ways. It's interesting so. because my po- I write poetry all the time when I'm upset. That's my outlet. When I'm upset, it's well, poetry. you must have written one every day this, this year. This year, I've written a lot of poetry. Yeah, I know. I I remember. Uh, I did. I I've written a lot of poetry. It's, it gets me through. It's the it's an outlet. It it gets all that anxiety out and it's and upset and tension and worry because there's nowhere else to go. Um, other other than my <laughs> uh, the second Joe Cronus. Um, was at the beginning of the pandemic that I wrote it, and one of the actors that's in it said, okay, what dark thing happened to you? <laughs> Just anxiety about what's happening. <laughs> it happened to all of us, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it does, it, the new one is much, the first uh, Joe Cronus play is very light, and the second Joe Cronus is really dark. Um, so, yeah. Like, well, I think people will accept that, and I think, you know, Dan and I said this before, you know, we, we we feel that it's really important to, you know, your writing is a really good way of dealing with those sorts of demons and those dark issues. And, um, you know, we write those things on the page so that you can develop, you can you can find a way out. There's a lot to be said, don't you think, Dan? I mean, you know... Um, Yep. And, and not 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 just not just for yourself, but sometimes the act of of doing that and putting these things down in words and putting them on paper um, where other people can can see them sometimes gives gives them perspective and insight and and and, and a means of, of of perhaps moving forward with with what they're facing as well. So sometimes we don't just do it for ourselves, but um, we do it for others. We do it we do it for those who who need a voice but don't necessarily have it. And, and I think the thing about poetry, as you say, um, Sherry, if you're writing poetry, is that poetry can be a very short piece, you know. Um, this last year I've been sharing haiku with a friend, and she came to visit me last year from in New Zealand, from the United States, and the two of us just share a haiku every week. And I figure you, if you can't write a haiku, then you're not really a a poet mm-hmm. or a writer, you know, like it's 17, 17 syllables, <laughs> you know. So, um, but that's actually been really good because it's only a haiku a week, and yet I've I've got, you know, um, fifty or sixty poems written in a year, and and that's that, and they take a lot of thinking, but there's something you can do, you know. It's not like I need to be sitting at the computer for six hours to write a poem. And it's been a lovely connection for the two of us. And you know, um, you know, I I lost my dad during New Zealand's lockdown, and it was all I could do was to write a poem. So I couldn't write mm-hmm. anything else. So because couldn't I couldn't focus on anything else. But those seventeen syllables were possible. So I think that there's poetry, particularly, is a really great space for for putting those thoughts down and recording how we feel in the moment 
those little snippets. Um, and you can use them in, in larger pieces later on. So yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot of merit in, in turning to poetry in these dark times. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always done that. I've always written poetry when I've been upset or when I've lost some either a family member, a loved one, um, a pet. Um, it, actually, if you look at my poetry, you think I'm suicidal because it's almost all dark. <laughs> Actually, it's interesting, you know, because you know I do the Young New Zealand Writers Group, and we've been doing that for ne for a decade now, um, coming up on a decade. And every year we get poems from teenagers, and it's really interesting because a couple of times we thought, oh, this is very dark poetry, and, and is this child at risk? So then we have to go back to the teachers and say, just signalling that we wonder if this child is at risk, and then the teachers deal with it because they have they have procedures in place and generally they're not at risk. Mm -hmm. They come back and they say, it's all fine, we've, we've, we've looked into this. But these, but these children are really grappling with extremely complicated, confusing and very dark issues and so they put it on the paper and it does make for some absolutely stunning poetry but again that, that means of expressing yourself is so important um, and, and of course with young people we have to be so careful, we have to be sure that that, that this isn't a cry for help. So it is a it's a tough call as being sometimes being an editor when you're working with young people. But the poetry is it's, it's interesting because it creates a you know a forum or a, a, a format for for young people to to really delve into those issues that concern them. Now, the kids really don't. Oh, no, I was going to say as a kid you don't really think about that. At whether no, it's no. If, if it sounds like that or if there's if it gives the wrong signal, you're just expressing yourself. So that when I was yes, a exactly. kid, I had no thoughts in that way, and I didn't even think that it made me sound like I was that. Until my my father actually read some of my poetry and was worried, and he came and sat down with me and talked to me, and then I looked at him and he said uh, like he was crazy, and he said he said okay. All right, I see what it is. As soon as I did that, he knew I was fine. But he know he knew me really well. So if you know your child really well and you talk to them, you'll know that they're okay. Yeah, it's a very powerful medium. It really is. Dan, you were going to say something. Um, I was I was just going to say we've, we've had sort of covered it, but it, the the natural craft or the form of poetry is and so it's so spare and so sparse it allows you to to just hit specific images and concepts and that vents those things that releases them which is very very different from sitting down and writing something that just says this is how I'm feeling right now mm -hmm. um, which is which is which is far more exposing if you like um, which is why you know I, I think we do we do find that in our, in our younger people using that as a form um, to express these things because, um, because you don't have to go into deep in, into the detail you don't have to it doesn't have to be um, about them um, personally it doesn't have to be about the real world it, all it has to be is, is those knife edge slices of this is this is the core of something I need to I, I need to um, need, need to work through mm -hmm. so you know that's that, that, that's possibly why why it works, and you can do so without necessarily having a great 
understanding of, 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 of complex writing structure or you know that, that ability to, to, to express things um, in great detail. I agree. Um, okay, we've reached the point where all those contracts and things that you're working on, anything you can talk about that you want people to know? Mm -hmm. This is interest on the yep. TFO. Um, yep. No. January. January. Yeah. January. Um, Blood of the Sun. Yeah. Um, is currently out. Um, yeah, Blood of the Sun. Please buy Blood of the Sun because we're so proud of it. Yep. And um, and it's got beautiful um, Danny Sarah cover art. Uh, and just. We're just so proud of that book, and it's the end of the series. You don't need to have read the rest of the series to, to be able to enjoy it. It's a standalone episode. It will work on its own. Um, and, uh, yeah, please support our publisher because they're very brave to put out these works in this time. Um, what have I got? I've got nothing coming, but I've had a lot come coming. out you, this you year. A lot come out this year. Black Cranes, which is the uh, the short fiction by by um, Asian writers. Yep, and yeah. Asian um, um, horror writers. I'm really proud of that. It's been really well received. I had grotesque monster stories come out earlier in the year, and um, super excited about that. It's had some nice reviews, and I've really I really enjoyed putting that one out. Um, it's my first short story collection uh, and then I also did scary tales with the young the young New Zealand writers so I edited that one I've got well actually in a, in a week's time I have Midnight Echo coming out which is the annual magazine of um, the Australian or Australasian Horror Writers Association and I was guest editor of that um, and that's got I think 15 or 16 um, incredibly dark pieces, really a broad, eclectic range of from some incredible um, colleagues. Really looking forward to that coming out. It's not eligible for any awards, I don't think, but um, but uh, because I'm a New Zealander writing with this, with mostly Australian writers, although there are some New Zealand writers on that lineup. So, but really, really pleased about that. It was really nice of them to invite me. Um, so that's coming out on the year. And I've got I've got a short story um, titled Soft Bait coming out in a um, military horror anthology, which is called Contact, which, which comes out from Ah uh, Screaming Banshee. Screaming Banshee. Chris, and actually I have a story in that. Right. Ah, so I have a Kane McKenna story in that. Um, yep. It's called Into the Geyserland, and that's coming out in that in that book as well. Yep. So. Um, have they given a date for that year? Uh, January, I think that's something? January next year. Yep. Yeah, I had a book. I had a story come out today, this, just right today, with um, which I co-wrote with um, Nicola Lombardi, an Italian writer, and that comes out in the Best of Indie Horror today. Uh, yeah, I've got quite a lot of short stories are coming out, but um, best, I think the best thing to do is um, if anyone's interested, they should they should sign up for our newsletters. Yeah, and so we both we both do a newsletter. You can um, sign on to them from each of our websites, which is uh, leemurray.info for Lee, and mine is dan.raybart.com. And I do every every month I do a review of something I've seen on the screen, something I've been listening to on the on my speakers, something that I've read on the page. Uh, and something often to do with gin or abandoned things or just whatever else I feel like. But I'll also have news in there about releases and, um, and, and that sort of thing. 
Yes, that's same, exactly. And if you sign up to my newsletter, you'll get the free short story collection that isn't available anywhere else. And also, um, I usually put a poem or some kind of free piece of writing in my in my release. And sometimes I have um, colleagues who have uh, discounted and free books, so I sometimes list those there too, so that people can have an early Christmas present or <laughs> holiday hol- some holiday reading by the fire. So, yeah. Okay. Sounds There's cool. a lot going on, I think, Sharon. Um, do you guys have any virtual events that you're going to be doing? social media where people can say hi. Thank you for chatting with Sherry. 